0: hello everybody and welcome to the do i have your attention podcast my name is avery boyd and this is a show all about interviewing your city's public servants leaders business owners and executives to see how they make the decisions and why they make the decisions that drive your city check it out and let me know what you think thank you back to another episode of Do I Have Your Attention? I like to start the show off as usual by saying thank you to anybody listening, tuning in, sharing, liking, commenting. I really appreciate it. It's been a great time doing the show so far. In this episode, I got to interview Pat. Pat owns his own vacation slash holiday rentals in Old Town Scottsdale. It's a perfect location. I let him describe in detail kind of the place and the vision he has for him and his partner. But it was a good conversation. We talked a lot about um, work history, personal development. I think it'd be a good conversation for everybody to enjoy. So please tune in and let me know what you think. Thank you. Good morning, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing good, Avery. How are you today? Doing well, I'm doing well. Do you mind introducing yourself and kind of explaining what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Pat Scacuzza. Um, okay. I'm originally
1: from Chicago, Illinois. I uh, moved out to the Phoenix area almost two years ago. And uh, since then, my my wife's cousin, my wife's first cousin and I, um, got into the vacation of my own business. Now, he's been in it for a long time. He's, he's had several properties for, gosh, coming on maybe 20 years now. He has a lake house in Lake Delavan, Wisconsin. He has, uh, well, he just sold, he had a house up in the mountains in Forest Lakes, Arizona Mm -hmm. that he recently sold um, because we needed a little more money for this project, Um, and he has a condominium in Old Town Scottsdale, and he's got several houses throughout the valley that he he rents out as well, and uh, I was kind of looking for something to get into, and... He was renting his condo out in Old Town Scottsdale. And when you're part of a homeowner's association, they have Mm CC&Rs, which are regulations. (laughs) And as you probably know, you're not supposed to be renting stuff uh, on your own for less than a certain period of time. Most places are six months or even a year or more you have to rent it out for. Anything less than that is a violation. Uh, Well, he was kind of doing it anyway, and he was flying under the radar. Mm -hmm. And uh, they finally started cracking down. I guess the neighbors had had enough. um, And even though he would screen his tenants or his guests really well and explain to them, look, this is a no-party atmosphere. After 9 p.m., you have to be quiet, you know, out of respect for the other, you know, the homeowners and whatever. Um, but yet, I guess there was a couple of people that just kind of disregarded that and whatever. So he received a letter from his homeowners association and they told him, uh, they sent him a cease and desist letter and said, mm-hmm. if you don't stop, we're going to start finding you $5,000 per occurrence. So that's what he decided, okay, enough is enough. We need to find our own piece of property that we can develop that no one can tell us what to do. Um, and that's essentially what we did. We found a piece of property in Old Town Scottsdale and we got in- incredibly lucky, okay? I'm not going to sit here <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're some sort of real estate mobile geniuses. Yeah, we're not. I mean, we know a little bit about real estate, sure, of course. But it was a matter of being at the right place at the right time. And, and luck is always involved. Um, you know, but furthermore, I think my cousin and I make great partners because I like to jokingly say he's the brains and I'm the muscle. Yeah. In other words, financially, he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's a wizard. Like, he's really good at crunching numbers, uh, working with spreadsheets, projections and stuff. And, uh, and I have a carpentry background. So when we found this piece of property, he said, you know, hey, can we do something with this? And I said, absolutely. I said, we could put up some dividing walls in this one building add a bathroom, create two units. Yeah. Um, and then as a matter of fact, the other property, which was right next door that we acquired at the same time, there happened to be a winery there. Um, and we decided, wow, this kind of looks like a little villa anyway. Yeah. We said, let's call it Winery Suites and kind of create this experience for people where they're in wine country in the middle of the desert.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it just took off, you know, it just took off. So. Okay. Alright, so you mentioned you're from Chicago Mm -hmm. Do you mind kind of giving your background in terms of work And how you came from living in Chicago to being here in Phoenix? (laughs) You
1: know, uh, I kind of look at myself as being like a hustler Not in the sense that I'm trying to hustle people But I've always just been trying to eke out a living in life, you know Uh, I come from very humble beginnings My parents are immigrants from Italy Okay. Came here with absolutely nothing in their pockets, you know (laughs) And uh, slowly just kind of built up a a life for themselves, and uh, they had just two kids, my sister and I, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, I've had many different careers growing up. I've done all kinds of work, and uh, you know, I used to kind of look at that and think like, God, I felt kind of lost in the world, but in hindsight, all those experiences really built upon themselves and got me to where I am today, and I've always had a fascination with carpentry, and I always played around on my own, like remodeling my own house, fixing things up, mm-hmm. watching TV shows like um, This Old House. So I was always kind of fascinated by that kind of stuff, um, and just construction in general. And uh, my friend owns a construction company, and I asked him to take me on one day um, because I got laid off from... Uh, one of the major payroll companies in the country that I worked for for almost 20 years I was in customer service Mm -hmm. and uh, I got laid off because essentially they sent my job to India or to some foreign country like the Philippines where of course the labor was cheaper I'm sure and they don't have to pay benefits things like that Um, so out of frustration I just felt that I needed a change and I wanted to do something different Mm -hmm. and I really because I was pushing 40 at this point and I felt like I need to learn a skill. Like, I went to college, um, but I went to college later in life because I didn't have the money to go, uh-huh. and then by the time I was in college, and believe it or not, I was actually doing well. I was not a very good high school student. Um, I almost, um, almost didn't graduate from high school, so my senior year, I had a night school class. I had no study halls because I had to take as many classes as I could. I, had, I was taking two history classes, two English classes just to catch up, yeah. and somehow I, I made it out um, by the skin of my teeth, I like to say. Um, so when I finally went to college I, It was just immaturity for me I was not a mature kid And I just didn't have the right kind of guidance growing up You know, I kind of ran around in the neighborhood Instead of sitting home and reading a book, so to speak So by the time I went to, high, I went, by the time I went to college I was in my early 20s And I was doing really, really well mm-hmm. But I had met my, who is my wife now And uh, we just hit it off And we were so in love And she was just graduating college when we started dating She had like three months to go And, uh, you know, and she wanted to start her life. You know, she wanted to get married, of course. And I did, too. But I thought, I need to go back to work. You know, otherwise, this relationship may not work. She may not put up with this. So I dropped out of college, and I went back to work. And my wife actually, um, within six months of being married, my wife conceived my first daughter. So that was pretty much it. Like, college was pretty much a pipe dream after that for me. I had to just stay working and whatever. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, so when I got laid off from that last company and my my buddy, my close friend in Chicago owns a construction company and I said, would you, would you take me on? And he did. He hired me at $15 an hour as a laborer and I took it and I, you know, I just kind of proved myself and worked my way up type of thing. Um, But it was that really, ultimately it was that experience that brought me to where, where we are today, you know, so.
0: Okay. Already, um, in ter- from a business perspective what outlook or benefit do you feel like you have from that that other people kind of miss if they've either kind of been handed a business or they've um, either stayed in one industry
1: <laughs> alright well let's start with the first question people that are handed a business typically they don't have the experience yeah. and they don't have the right mindset I'm not saying everybody okay but um, what I've learned is that Typically, if you inherit a business, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of don't have the same drive and passion that someone who starts from scratch has. Because when you start from scratch, you're literally just trying to survive and stay alive. And when you're successful, you don't ever forget that mindset. You're kind of always in that feeling like this can go away any day. Someone, especially a kid who grows up with some privilege and has never really had to struggle, does not have the same perspective. And... I think that's where those people kind of, they're at a disadvantage, let's say, okay? Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other, the other
0: question, the other part of the question? You're answering it. It was just the... Oh, jumping you, from job to job. job, okay. to job, that benefit, um, how does it sit and how you make decisions on a to basis? Well, basically, it makes you a well-rounded person because if you, if you go to college and you learn one
1: thing mm. and then you stay with that one thing for your whole career... Then what have you really learned in life? You've only, you only know that one thing. And then furthermore, what I found frustrating was when I was looking for a job, when I got laid off, everybody was trying to pigeonhole me, so to speak, for lack of a better term. They were like, well, your customer service is all you kind of know, and we don't want to take a chance, essentially,
0: yeah.
1: with anything else. So, and I didn't want to be a customer service anymore. I wanted to try my hand at something different.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so, it was just very frustrating, and uh, if you're hiring, I get it. Like, you're trying to find someone that has specific experience for the position you're trying to fill.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think that, you know, like, that, that narrow mindset is actually hurting them as well, you know? I think that they should take more things into account, like, your overall work experience, um, you know, how long you've been with a job that shows commitment, Uh, Whether you were whether you moved up in those jobs that you had, or if you stayed stagnant, Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why. Like when I hire, I take a completely different point of view. Like for instance, if I have someone that has never done the work that I'm trying to fill the position for, if I think I can train them relatively easily, and they can show that they've got commitment and that they're all around like a a pretty good person, I'll take a shot. Absolutely, why not? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I think ultimately, looking back, uh, it benefited me a lot because, again, I got experience in so different, so many different fields that they all kind of came together in one thing. And ultimately, as a business owner, I think you need that. You Mm -hmm. know, so
0: okay, Uh, let's talk about the area, right? Um, Phoenix growing exponentially. Yes, it is Um, Scottsdale doing big numbers too. Yes. Um, What do you see kind of the future? Opportunities looking like for you guys? I know you mentioned you guys had ideas to grow and stuff. What are kind of those plans?
1: Well, <laughs> I got to tell you, the future is very bright for us. And okay. the reason is because... And again, when we bought this property, there was a lot of things we did not know. So, I mean, personally for me, I think I have a knack for picking locations for whatever kind of business you're in, right? It all comes... The best business advice I ever got was from a gentleman who owned a... uh, I don't think they exist anymore, but it was called Mailboxes, etc. And it was a franchise. They they had gotten purchased by UPS stores Mm. after that, and they changed them all to UPS stores. But it was basically a mailing and shipping kind of service because at the time, I think people felt that the post office wasn't able to kind of handle things or whatever, so these franchises started popping up. Well, I went into one of them one day to ship something, and uh the guy had a bunch of clocks on the wall and it had the different times. Like it said the time in New York, the time in Paris, and the very last clock had the time of a little town in Italy where my mother happens to come from. Yeah. And I thought that was so strange. So of course I had to strike a conversation with him and I said, Hey, what's with that one? Because my mom came from that town. And he had continued to tell me that he came from that town. And uh he kind of knew my my parents um not like personally, but he had known of them. The family, you know? yeah. So we struck up a conversation. And at the time, I was still pretty young. I was in my early 20s. Uh, and I had told him that I would always want to open my own business. And I was really considering franchises, which I, I did own a franchise after that, which it's a whole other story. I don't recommend <laughs> that. I do not recommend a franchise. And we can okay. go into that if you want. But I would not recommend it because... A, they control everything, but also nowadays with the internet, you can learn anything. You don't need to pay for people's knowledge anymore. For the knowledge anymore, okay. Um, So basically, his advice to me, because his store was not doing that well, Uh and uh, he had left medical sales and he was doing pretty well with that, and he tried his hand at being self-employed and he was very disappointed in his decision, essentially. So what he said to me was, it all comes down to demographics. You know, He said, I put my store in the wrong place. He said, here, the majority of people in that little suburb of Chicago... Um, at the time was mostly elderly people, right? So he said those people are very kind of set in their ways and they tend to go to the post office. Like, they don't understand, like, change and these new things. So I'm not getting a lot of business. And he was convinced that was why. So basically, the best advice I ever got was it's all about demographics, okay? Yeah. So when you're choosing your business, what they say, location, 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 right? So he's 100% right. It is about demographics. You want to put your business in a place where... Your customers are like, you don't want to have to bring them in. You want them to be right there. Mm -hmm. So for us, we knew we wanted to do vacation rentals and old town Scottsdale, huge, right? The tourists, tourism is up and it's going up. Yeah. Um, And our location was insane. Like the location, the other locations we looked at were a little bit off the beaten path. Not that they were way out, but they were still within, within old town. But I wanted to be more in the middle of everything, Right. Yeah. Um. So when I found our location, we're literally on Goldwater Boulevard, which is a major thoroughfare.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I saw that spot and my eyes just lit up and I said, okay, this is the one. And then the building itself was from the 60s, but it, it had since changed hands. It was originally residential. Then it was converted to commercial. And the last people that were in there that rented it were um, interior designers. So what they did was they had beautiful like Brazilian walnut trim, like... Beautiful, like two-inch thick Brazilian walnut doors, <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow! Like this stuff is beautiful. We yeah. could really do a lot with this." Um, but yeah, I mean, the location was the most important thing, you know. So since then, so we had three units. We were very nervous. Uh, we went live November sixth of twenty seventeen was the day we hit the internet, and we got our first booking six hours later. And uh, we've just been we've been jammed. We've we've been doing so well. That after a year, we decided, hey, let's see if we can knock these down and maybe build up. Like we were thinking maybe eight units, 10 units, you know, mm-hmm. um, with a, a pool on the ground floor because you got to have a pool. It's Arizona, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, plus, you know, we don't have a pool now. So we actually purchased memberships. We have three memberships because we have three units.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we purchased memberships at the Valley Ho, um, Hotel and Resort, which has been there like since the 50s. Mm-hmm. Beautiful
0: place.
1: Beautiful place. So we have memberships so our guests can just walk a block and use the pool or the spa or the workout facility if they want. Um, So at any rate, we looked at it. We talked to an architect and we said, you know, this is what we're thinking about doing. And what he told us was, you know, your your property is in a location that's just too valuable. Like he said, you should really build up as high as you can. And the city of Scottsdale will allow you to go 76 feet high. And we were like, we can't afford that. Like we just don't have that kind of money. Mm -hmm. And he said there are, like venture capitalists, there are ways to raise the money. So why don't we look at, you know, what we could do with this property. So based on our acreage, um, they did a rendering for us. And mm. the way it works is you're, you're, you have to create one parking spot per bedroom, per unit, okay? So we were able, and what else, the other thing we found out was that um, we were going to dig underground, make underground parking. So we... They told us we can create 31 parking spots, which is how we came up with 31 units. So uh, hopefully by fall of 2020 or early spring, like still winter of 2021,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, we're projecting they have 31 units with underground parking and a rooftop pool. And this whole thing came about because we spoke to our accountant and our accountant basically said the same thing. He said, we can get venture capitalists to... You can borrow the money for the down payment, yeah, and work out some sort of a partnership deal with them, and then um, you can borrow the rest of a bank. And uh, he was right, and that's pretty much the path we're on right now. So,
0: okay. awesome, awesome. Uh, you, mit- you mentioned a couple things, but I kind of want to talk about the um, location piece, right, and what that'll look like um, in terms of. What you foresee Old Town Scottsdale looking like in the next five to ten years? What do you kind of view? Well, I mean,
1: this isn't what I think. It's what I kind of know already, right? If you look around, Scottsdale's been blowing up. You know, tourism is up big time. And uh, even though we can see it, we still wanted to know for sure. So we hired an economist. And it it was not cheap. (laughs) But it it really gave us peace of mind because what the economist did was – they found out that there's not enough hotel rooms to go around as it is. Yeah. So when tourists come in, many times like during spring training, they're having to find hotels out on the outskirts, in, like in Phoenix or other places, because there just isn't enough rooms to go around. So one of the amazing things that we found out through them is that the supply versus demand is 2.4 to 1. So the demand is 2.4 and the supply is 1. Yeah. And even though there are five new hotels coming in the pipeline, ours being one of them, Um, even once those are completed in the next five years, there's still not going to be enough supply to meet the demand. Mm -hmm. So that was very positive for us. We kind of knew that already, but now that we know for sure, um, it's, it gives us peace of mind, so to speak. Um, you know, we also, I apologize, I lost my train of thought. Um, but the location itself is amazing, right? Tourism is up. Um, and there's so many things that, that occur in the Phoenix area. Spring training and the San Francisco Giant, Giant Stadium is only a few blocks away from our property. So people stay with us. They can walk to the games. Um, yeah, I mean, we found out Caesars is building a non-gaming facility, like, less than a mile from us, right by the mall. So they're going to have a huge place. And... The thing with us, we feel very lucky, is we're only putting up 31 units. Yeah. Um, there are other projects going in. There's going to be a, what's called the museum campus, like Kitty Corner from our place. And they're putting up, gosh, like, I think, like, maybe 800 rooms, like, condos and hotel rooms. Um, so we, we know that we're going to get, like, a lot of overflow from them.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, the future is very, very bright the way we see it, so. Okay. All righty. Um, switching gears, Technology. Plays a big part in business nowadays. Yes, sir. Um, you mind kind of explaining how you guys have integrated that into your business and where you see that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> without the internet,
1: we we probably wouldn't even exist. You know, the internet is, is huge for us. Um, you know, we actually had one guy that wanted to give us the total amount for the project, which is several million dollars. Okay. Uh, but he and even though he has experience, he ha- he owns hotels, they develop hotels. He wanted to own, like, a big chunk of it as well as own a chunk of the property, and we just weren't, like, cool with that. But he figured that we were inexperienced, and he tried to throw us curveballs like, you know, um, you don't have a brand, which I don't think is true. We have built up our brand so quickly already. Um, And that brings me to my point, the Internet. Without the Internet, we could not have done that. We wouldn't be able to take reservations. We would be taking reservations over the phone, and we would be having to take out print ads and things like that, which costs a ton of money. Um, so the beautiful thing about it is that we've spent very little in the way of marketing. Um, we have to pay to be on VRBO. So you pay per unit. It's a flat fee, which is kind of nice. Um, and then the other places like Airbnb and these other reservation platforms, they charge you a percentage. And it's not cheap. They take 15 18% of the total cost of the room. So if you're charging $100 per night, they're going to take $18 of it. And we get the rest. Yeah. But it's worth it, right? It's worth it because without them, we may not get that reservation. The room would have stayed empty, right? So um, in way of marketing, we're spending very little on marketing because the the internet is essentially free. Um, So we produced our own website and according to Google, we're getting upwards of 20,000 hits a month. Um, And we were told that those numbers might be a little bit inflated, but even so, if we're getting 10,000 hits a month, we only have three rooms to fill currently and then 31 rooms to fill. Yeah. Um, So from a marketing standpoint, the internet is amazing. Um, But even so, you were saying about reservations. If if the internet didn't exist um, and these platforms didn't exist, we'd have to either create our own platform, which would cost a ton of money to have a programmer do that. Yeah. (laughs) Or we would literally have someone who's answering calls 24 hours a day, and we would be taking reservations by hand on paper. And then maybe entering them into our own program somewhere, like in a computer system. But So that way... um, you know, now with the internet and these these platforms, it's been it's been amazing. Um, and they're called OTAs, by the way, um, yeah. online travel agents. They call them. So, yeah, it's been amazing. So, without the internet, I don't think we would be as as successful as we are. So, thank God for that. Taking advantage of the technologies that are coming out, they're absolutely amazing. Because essentially, we're like a hybrid between a yeah. hotel and a vacation rental. Um, and a vacation rental is essentially someone's own property that they own their home mm-hmm. that they're letting you stay at, right? Um, And, you know, nowadays we're just using like a lockbox with regular keys in them. And uh, like elderly people that come in sometimes don't know how to use the lockbox and things like that. Um, So later on, even though we're going to have a lobby, which we're going to have a market that's going to sell craft beer, wine, of course, because we're called the winery suites. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have craft beer, wine, snacks, coffee, things like that. Um, But we're also going to have a small check-in counter. And, uh, but even if no one's there, everything's virtual. So no one really needs to be there essentially. But so if someone shows up to check in after hours, like after 10 PM or 11 PM, Mm -hmm. um, we give them a code to their door or we're looking at a technology where you download an app and then uh, our app essentially, and then we will program the app with the code to your door. So as soon as you walk up, the door will recognize your phone and the door will unlock for you automatically. So we are taking advantage of those kinds of technologies. Yeah. Um, but the kind of business that we're in, it's just lodging. I mean, people want a comfortable, clean bed, right? They want good television, like good programming and television. So, you know, we offer sports packages, things like that, like NFL tickets to our guests when they stay. Um you know, we, we give suggestions for places to eat, like our favorite places to go or places to go dancing, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also stay on top of current events, like if, whether it's spring training or some car race or whatever that's happening at that weekend that they're in. We give suggestions for them and the, things to do. Um, activities like hiking, biking. Um, you know, we offer bikes for free. We don't rent them out. We let our guests use them for free. Um, And our model, too, the only thing we're going to charge for in the future is parking. Okay. But we throw everything in. We don't nickel and dime people, you know. Um, So, basically, if you want to use a bicycle, it's free. Use of the pool at the Valley Hole, that's free. Uh, We throw in snacks. We we leave bottled water for free. Um, And we just kind of roll it into one price, you know, so.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Um, Mentioning the winery part, um, what's kind of the future or the plan around incorporate in that business that you guys are part of next door
1: so i've actually owned restaurants in the past um my first restaurant i had was a franchise it was a Quiznos sub um and that was a nightmare and i won't go into why (laughs) Uh, i actually had one of the top um top grossing stores in illinois and it was just very difficult to be profitable um so i essentially i closed that down and i at the time i lost everything i had it was crushing you know and i had to start all over again um you know, but it taught me a great lesson. And then after that, I had a small, uh, like, restaurant slash deli that I, I owned with my uncle. Um, and then when the economy collapsed, um, I kind of got out of that. I, and he bought me out, and he still has it to this day. But So I've got um, I've experience in running restaurants, so I feel the market's going to be a piece of cake. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on six different vineyards. So my cousin and I are going to probably spend some time in Napa in the near future. Okay. We're going to try to find some family-owned vineyards that may want to participate, and we're going to showcase just their wines. Okay. Um, Because we don't want to have an extensive menu like that. We want people to... How do I put this? So, in other words, we want to focus on, like, six really good wines that people can come and experience with us, and then maybe even buy wine directly from the vineyards that we work with, let's say. Uh Um, Uh We're also going to do the same thing with craft beer. Craft beer has become so popular in the last 10 or 15 years, you know. Uh, And there's a lot of craft beer makers right around our location, you know. So we're going to partner up with them, hopefully, and display just six or maybe 10 of their beers. Um, And then we're also going to have a really good coffee. Um, We're thinking about going with a company that, like, picks their own coffee beans. They roast them themselves, you know, so we'll grind our own beans fresh every day and offer people, like, an excellent cup of coffee that... They really can't get anywhere else, like not even Starbucks, let's say. So um and then we're also gonna offer snacks and things like that, of course, and maybe some souvenirs. But you know, we're not gonna flood the market with all kinds of junk, let's say. Like we wanna just really focus on the things that we feel are the best and the best value to our guests. Like, of course, we're in business to make a profit, but we want people to walk away always feeling like they really got something good for their money. So they're they spent their money was well spent, essentially, and not wasted. So, yeah. um, But basically, yeah, I'm very comfortable with that. I, I think running the market is going to be an absolute piece of
0: cake. So, Okay. All right. Um, you mentioned the market crash. Um, real estate was one of the big things that got hit during the market crash. Uh, what do you kind of think are your advantages or disadvantages <laughs> in being in the real estate world?
1: No, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, so again, we, this economist we hired. Yeah. What they found out was that um, in 2008 when the economy crashed, uh, lodging or you know lodging and hotels, things like that, in the Old Town Scottsdale area or in Phoenix, the greater Phoenix area in general, lodging only dropped a percent and a half. And then literally in 2009, it rebounded right back to where it was in 2008 before the market crashed. So in 2009, it went back up that percent and a half. And then ever since then, it has been creeping up a percent, percent and a half, two percent depending on the year. So, um, and again, my cousin had a, um, a property in Old Town Scottsdale during the crash, and he had his house up in Forest Lakes, Arizona, and uh, he had been telling me all along that he felt that vacation rentals were essentially recession-proof, okay. um, and he felt that because the, the people he was getting that were renting from him when the economy was slowing down in 2008, 2009, were more local people. They were taking what they call staycations. So instead of people going to Hawaii for a week, which was obviously a lot more expensive, they'd pack up the family and they would drive up to his cabin in Forest Lakes and rent that for a week. So it was essentially recession-proof. And this economist, this study, this feasibility study that we just completed, that proved that. He was exactly right. Yeah. Because that's our only concern. Like, everything else seems very bright, but then you think, yeah, what if there's a recession, right? So we feel very strongly that we will be able to make it through a recession. So... You know, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. You know,
0: yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, what are some of the com- What are some of the common misconceptions people have about what you do and um, kind of what what you stand for, either in this business or in past businesses?
1: Well, I would say the first misconception is people think if you own your own business that you're rich, which couldn't be further from the truth. You're going to be insanely poor. I mean, most people are either just getting by or earning just enough. To, you know, pay their bills and, and put food on the table type of thing.
0: Okay.
1: Um, you know, you got to think outside the box. Like, you have to always be ready to adapt and change. And I think that's what most people are afraid of. They either don't know how to adapt and change or they, they feel like, hey, I'm doing great. I'm making enough money. Like, why should I change? Well, competition is fierce. There's always someone right around the corner looking to steal your, your customers, you know. So you just kind of always have to be on your feet, you know. Um, but, I don't know, like, what's the other misconception? The other misconception is that, like, you're some sort of a genius, which isn't really true. You just, you're just committed. You're committed, you're open-minded, you're constantly reading uh, industry magazines, like, learning about your industry and, like, what what you can improve upon. Um, I'm not really sure offhand what any other misconceptions would be, really, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, you know.
0: Okay. All right. Somebody was to shadow you. What would be the thing you'd want to make sure that they took away? That's another good question. I've never really <laughs> thought about that. So if they wanted to shadow me, I guess I would want them
1: to kind of act, think, and talk, and behave the way I do. Because the way I treat my customers, I feel like um, – because I'm sure there's an old uh, adage about how if you – if someone is unhappy, they're going to tell, like, 10 of their friends. Mm-hmm. Um But if they're happy, they'll maybe tell one. Well, now that's even more true than ever because they go online and, they, and they'll place a review. Yeah. So literally tens of thousands of people are going to read that review, you know? Um So the way that I speak to my customers and the way that I interact with them, the way I treat them, um I want them to feel, again, like they're getting the most for their money, that they didn't make a mistake by staying with us, you know? And so far... We've been very successful with that. Um, the other thing that art makes our business unique is that we, 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 we interact with people differently. So I send them emails initially on like a welcome email explaining our property and things like that, how to check in. Uh, but then after that, uh, I have them text me a picture of their driver's license, that, which proves who they are. Because, again, it's virtual. We don't have a check-in counter. Yeah. And then after that, I actually communicate with them via text, and I check up, and I say, hey, how is everything? You know, Do you need more towels, or is there anything you're unhappy with? And if they are, I address it immediately. You know, I never take the attitude of, oh, they're just picky. And there are people that are very picky. They feel like, hey, I'm the one spending the money. I should get exactly what I want type of thing. But for the most part, I would say 99.9% of our guests have been amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: The, the, another good piece of advice I got from someone who owns vacation rentals, he said to me once, he said the best part about this business is that people are on vacation; they're always in a good mood. So he's like, they're in a good mood and they're on vacation; they're they're willing to spend their money. So if you give, them, if you offer them something worthwhile, they'll spend the money. Um, and that was great advice. He was exactly right, uh, and that is what we have found. You know, we have found that, you know, we bought really comfortable mattresses. Uh-huh. We have really comfortable pillows. We've got great bedding. Um, you know, we make people feel like where they 're staying is actually better than their own home, you know what I mean, because most people don 't have a really good mattress, so when they stay with us, they, they feel like, "Wow, this is great, and people have told us like i 've never slept so good in my whole life. what kind of mattress is that and we we referred them to where we bought our mattress, and they 've probably bought the mattress or the pillows or the comforter or the bed sheets yeah. so yeah, I think it comes down to little things that we want them to observe it 's those little things you know those little How do you say, like, again, the way you speak to someone, um, the way you're attentive, smile all the time, um, you have to be upbeat, like, even if you're having a bad day, you got to leave that at home, you know? After you punch out, then go home and be grumpy again, but while you're at work, you know, you got to remember, people are on vacation, they're in a good mood, you have to be in a good mood, and, you know, you want the experience for them to be positive, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I would want them to take away from shadowing me.
0: Okay. All right, do you guys have any um, plans to do this in other locations or are you guys uh, do we have plans no
1: do we have dreams sure Okay. we do because we feel that this model will be successful for a lot of reasons um, first of all our overhead is lower than a hotel because we don't have a lot of employees um, at one, any given time we may have three employees on the property uh, Or actually I take that back we'll have three employees plus we'll have some some housekeeping so maybe six employees at any given time yeah Whereas a
0: hotel may have
1: 20, 30 30 employees, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sorry, I forgot the question. I lost my train of thought again.
0: I I was just saying, do you guys have any plans to to duplicate this? Yes. Um,
1: And as a matter of fact, when we bought our property, um, I came across an article on like Yahoo News or some website about Airbnb is doing the same thing. So Airbnb is actively purchasing property or land Mm -hmm. in major markets around the country or around the world. And they want to build what's called boutique hotels, which are typically 50 units or less. And again, it's kind of like um, an evolution of the the bed and breakfast, right? The bed and breakfast was three, four, five units uh, where you were essentially just renting a room and you were sharing even a common bathroom and a common dining area where the homeowner or whoever, or the B&B owner um, was cooking and doing things like that. Um, So we're kind of an evolution of that. Yeah. And Airbnb... Is not only developing their own properties, but they are actually um, fighting lawsuits around the country because the hotel industry is is very actively pushing for laws um, because they're they're afraid they're afraid of the Airbnb market or the vacation rental market. And so yeah, they've got lobbyists under payroll, and they are. Then they've they've passed some laws successfully, but Airbnb is, has fought those laws and won in many markets. You know, mm-hmm. um, the nice thing about Arizona is a couple of years ago. One of our senators uh, passed a law that you essentially cannot mess with a homeowner if they own their property outright you cannot set restrictions or rules for what they can or can't do with it you know yeah. so that's been very positive for us um, so we feel that in Arizona for the time being at least that um, the laws are favoring us you know the, the the small homeowner that is just renting their house or their condo let's say you know um, but through our research in the last year we have found out that there are Condominium complexes where there are people that are snowbirds, let's say, where they're only here three months out of the year, and they essentially all got together and uh, they outvoted the rest of the people because, like, by a majority rule, changed their CCNRs where they are renting their places on a short-term basis. And there's a management company that handles it all. They handle the reservations, they handle the check-in, the check-out, you know, screening of guests. And uh, those people are doing very successful, and why not? Why should your condo sit empty for nine months when, you know, and it's usually a 50-50 split. I don't know for sure how that works, but usually the management company takes half, and you as the homeowner take half. But, yeah, you're paying your mortgage, you're making a little bit of money, and you have a place to go to for three months out of the year when it's snowing in your state. So we think that just like Uber changed the taxi business, um, that vacation rentals is changing lodging and uh, so we think that we're still in the infancy so to answer your question yeah we do have dreams we, we feel that um, this is going to go so well that we could either develop our own sites or maybe even franchise this yeah. um, because again we have a brand we're, we're winery suites and we offer an experience not just a room um, so we feel that with those two things combined in the right location of course and, and we want to do something where it's always within walking distance you know we don't want people to have to rent a car Mm -hmm. We want to set it up where you can literally come from the airport in a taxi or an Uber. And once you get to us, like if you're in downtown San Francisco, for instance, which I was just there. And I was looking at properties and I thought, wow, like, yes, property is expensive, okay? But if you own a restaurant and you buy a piece of property for a million dollars, you got to sell a heck of a lot of food to pay your mortgage every month and to cover all that. Uh But in our kind of business, you know, even a small plot of land, if you could put 10 units on it, you can make enough money pretty easily to pay your mortgage and to cover your expenses and do it. So, we feel very strongly about our business model or the vacation business model in general. So,
0: okay, all right. Um, you mentioned a lot about like these lessons, strong lessons people have taught you. What would be your um, key lesson that you'd like to pass on if somebody asked you? Okay.
1: <laughs> so, you know, and because I've had a lot of time to think about this because of my ups and downs in life. Yeah. I think if you're going to get into a career, you should get into something that kind of everybody needs, right? So, for instance, if I was a girl, I would probably have gotten into cutting hair because people always need a haircut, right? They always need an oil change. Yeah. So, yeah, like I get that people want to open up a little niche thing, like maybe like a skateboard shop. But how many people are really skateboarding? You know, you don't want to put yourself in a niche market where you really only have like a small piece of the market that you're catering to. I would think always try to cater to as many people as possible. So, again, being a nurse, great career, right? Cutting hair, great career.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Opening up an oil chain shop, that's a great career. Um, I would try to get into a business where you're catering to as many people as possible, where the whole world is your market, let's say, you know. Um, That would be my best advice. Get into some. So, lodging, right? Lodging. People are always going to need a place to stay Real estate also, real estate's always a good thing, you know. Um, again, land, God is not making any more land. There's only so much land that exists, yeah. and if you get your hands on a piece of land, you should hold on to it. You shouldn't just try to flip it. If you can hold on to it and make money on it, you should do that, and there's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, I have a friend that bought land way down by Tucson, almost almost in, um, like 50 miles from the border of Mexico. He bought a cheap piece of land. The views are beautiful. And he was telling me yesterday he doesn't know what to do and develop it. You know what the first thing that popped in my mind? A campground. A campground. I mean, it's just empty land, right? And you're renting a little plot of empty land. And you know, people are always coming through. They're traveling and Arizona, we're in this is a tourist state. People are always coming through. They want they go to the Grand Canyon or whatever the case is. People need a place to stay, you know, so That's how I like to to look at things in those terms, you know. Um, And that was my initial thing about restaurants because people need to eat. Yeah. The problem with restaurants is that the market is insanely competitive. Um, There's always new concepts popping up. um, And it's just, it's really a lot of work. You're putting in a lot of hours every day. You're married to it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still think the food business is a good business, you know. Um, But you also have things like McDonald's where they sell food so cheap that it's really, really tough to compete. And if you want to sell people a healthy, quality product, yeah. it's a tough market. So, um, But, yeah, I would try to focus on something where you make the whole world your market and not just a sliver of it, you know? so
0: Okay. Um, in terms of – that last piece kind of interests me in terms of being married to the business. I, I don't think a lot of people understand um, – what that means as a business owner <laughs> you mind elaborating? Oh I would love to I would love to Because
1: You know I've been on both sides of the fence And I've worked for someone And I've worked for myself And when you work So the way I sum it up is It's easy to earn money It's hard to make money mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is When you punch out and you go home every day, you you leave your work at home. You just go home and you play with your kids and whatever, and you wake up the next day and then you'll start thinking, oh man, I gotta go to work. I have this, I have that. But you can essentially leave it. When you own your own business, it never turns off. Never. Um, There's many sleepless nights. You know, Um, I have sleepless nights to this day. Uh, You know, last night I gotta tell you, I think I was just so exhausted from traveling and getting caught up on stuff that that was the first time I've slept. More than eight hours straight in many, many months. Um, That's not to say that there isn't a reward for being self-employed. There is. The reward is that there's no ceiling. When you work for someone, there's always going to be a ceiling. Always, right? Uh, There's always... uh, You know you can only make so much money. And if you want to make more, you have to change companies or change careers, let's say. But when you work for yourself, there's no ceiling. The sky is literally the limit. So, you know, uh, there's advantages and disadvantages. So... Yeah, but owning your own business is not what it's cracked up to be. You know, it can be the most amazing thing in the world if you put your systems in place and there's a way to kind of make sure that your employees are doing what they're doing and that everything is... Because your employees are not going to run your business like you do. Mm -hmm. And that's the other part of you're living it and breathing it 24 hours a day Um, because you're constantly correcting your employees and saying, hey, can you kind of do this a little bit differently? Can you maybe do this this way from now on? Because you're always looking to improve and... And you're taking in feedback from your guests on things that they would like to see. So, yeah, I mean, um, you're constantly improving and changing, and, but it's, it's 24-7. You, yeah, it never leaves your mind. So that's, that's the hard part about it. So.
0: All right. Um, last question, I ask everybody kind of their spotlight hour. What would you like people to really take away from you as a business owner and um, your wine suits? Well,
1: I tell you, for me as a business owner, I mean, dedication, I guess, and just love of what you do, that's a big part of it, Mm because obviously if you're not happy with what you're doing, you're not going to be that successful at it, you know? Um, But it's been a struggle. I do not want people to sit here for a minute and think, like, you know, this guy really figured some things out. Like, I got very lucky, and I was very persistent. Um, But without my, my cousin and business partner, this would never have been possible, He's really the brains behind this. Um, it was really his business model. It was his dedication and his hard work over the years. And I kind of piggybacked on top of it. Um, and we make great partners. Don't get me wrong. like We both bring things to the table and we compliment each other. And that's, that's where our strength is ultimately. You know, So really, if you're going to take on a partner, which I think you should because it's very difficult to do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take on a partner, you don't want a partner that has the same strengths as you do because you're just going to butt heads. You're not going to agree on things. So basically, he plays his part, I play my part, and that's what keeps us successful, you know. Um, and again, I forgot the question. I lost my train of thought again. Um, the spotlight hour for Winery Suites. Um, yeah, so again, I don't see myself as some genius. I think that between persistence, hard work, and definitely a little bit of luck, you know. Um, but also... Yeah, I mean, you got to come up with something that is kind of unique, but also that caters to as many people as possible. You know, um, and I love this business; I love it because I love hearing people tell me about how much fun they had, about how they've never been to the Phoenix area and how much they loved Old Town Scottsdale. It just makes me very proud. Makes me very proud that we're doing something that makes people happy. Yeah, you know, so
0: okay. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate you. Thank
1: you. Thank you for taking the time, man. It was a pleasure to meet you. Of course.
0: Well, everybody, that concludes the 10th episode of Do I Have Your Attention? As always, it's been a pleasure. Like I said, I had a really good conversation with Pat. Enjoyed the time talking to him. I think it was good information. If you guys would like to follow us, um, have any comments, concerns, any recommendations for people I should interview, please feel free to reach out. Our social media is D-I-H-Y-A underscore talks, and that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Otherwise, thank you, and have a great rest of the day.